0: Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast with IT leaders who are driving the future of a software-defined infrastructure-based data center.
1: Hello, I'm Jake Smith, and welcome to another edition of Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud. Today I'm speaking with CTO of CoreOS, Brandon Phillips. Welcome,
0: Brandon. Thanks, thanks for having me. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about CoreOS and a little bit about yourself. Sure, so CoreOS is a company started about three years ago And it was really founded by some of the ideas that Alex Polvy, my co-founder, and I wanted to fix in the way infrastructure is deployed and managed today. And it comes from a lot of our experiences. Um, My background, I worked as a Linux kernel developer at SUSE. So I got a taste of kind of the enterprise operating system space, and then uh, worked as uh, engineer building distributed systems at Rackspace. And so CoreOS Our first product was a Linux distribution, and then we focus on how to maintain large distributed systems and applications over time. So I hear you guys just launched Tectonic 1.3. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, so Tectonic is a combination of a number of open source projects that we contribute heavily to or have introduced ourselves into kind of a cohesive platform. And the idea is that Tectonic helps you manage applications that have been containerized. And we bring along a lot of things that you need for that. So we bring container registry or Quay container registry We have a scheduler and service discovery system that's powered by Kubernetes and then build all sorts of management and authentication, back it by LDAP and that sort of stuff. Essentially a full platform for enterprises to start adopting this sort of style of infrastructure that's powered by containers. Talk a little bit about
1: containers versus VMs. Uh, We know some of the bigger players are taking advantage of container-based infrastructures,
0: but what does that mean for the broader ecosystem? One of the things that motivated a lot of people with the virtualization of infrastructure was we were hoping that we'd be able to move workloads around really easily between different environments, the cloud and our data centers, et cetera. But the complexity of managing a VM is actually quite high. Containers are this new opportunity for application developers and ISVs to ship their software in a way that's actually independent of the operating system. And so in a similar way that a VM is consistent because it's like this self-contained thing, a container is consistent in that it's a self-contained thing, but it's one like click up the stack higher. And so you're seeing people now targeting containers as a way of packaging up, deploying, managing their applications and their infrastructure today. And it'll continue to sort of move along as people gain confidence with the technology, as the technology matures and the applications and example applications continue to hit the market.
1: One of the interesting part about containers is that it really runs on any platform. It runs anywhere. And you could argue it runs at any time. Talk a little bit about how you begin the design. Design methodology as a CTO to
0: design a product that does that. I mean, you know, your background there. So, kind of go into detail. There. So, CoreOS Linux was the first product that we introduced. And CoreOS Linux, being based on Linux, means that we're able to run in any sort of cloud provider, run on bare metal, run in virtual machines. And then, what CoreOS Linux does differently is that we focus exclusively on the container. So, instead of allowing users to install software onto the OS, we force all the software to be installed inside of containers. And what this means is that we are able to do a bunch of interesting things with that underlying operating system. We're able to say, by default, CoreOS Linux automatically updates itself. And that's because by using containers, we've broken this dependency between the application and the operating system in such a way that that's actually possible. Similar to how like, your Android device or your iOS device gets an update, but your applications like Mail and Calendar continue to work. We do a similar thing only on the server side. It's that abstraction, that uh, separation of concerns that allows these containers to run pretty seamlessly across all these different platforms. And then we lean heavily on just the fact that Linux is super stable and based on APIs that computing has been using for 30, 40 years at this point. All the POSIX APIs and all that stuff is pretty solid um, and hasn't really changed much.
1: What I heard from you was, Containers could be more secure because in a container world, I can actually just update everybody right now to
0: be more secure, more flexible, or provide incremental services. Can you talk a
1: little bit about that?
0: So if you watch the show, John Oliver, he has this great show. And one of the issues he went into was around security. He used the term how it's like we're dancing wildly on the edge of a volcano. The reason that it's so is because software is inherently always going to have a bug in it. Humans make mistakes and building secure software is really difficult. And so really the only cure to that is the ability to push updates to servers. And that's kind of antithetical to how we're doing things today, where a lot of operators will build out a system, and then once it gets working, they won't touch it because they don't wanna get paged. And so with containers, we have this unique opportunity where because the containers are self-contained, we're able to run, say, version A of our application and version B of the application on the same physical gear at the same time. And we can put some customers or some of the load on the version B while version A is still running. And if it starts to look bad, we can immediately swap back to the old one. And it actually makes upgrades something that happens on a human time scale on the order of like seconds or minutes. Whereas with VMs or physical gear, we're talking usually about hours to distribute those between data centers or sometimes days if you're going to have to like reprovision a physical device. And so it's this consistent self-contained thing that allows us to actually deliver software updates to the back end of the internet which arguably is where all of our photos are (laughs) where, (laughs) where, uh, where everything important is and we're able to bring some of these same patterns that have applied to mobile and to these embedded devices to actually where the data exists today in 2016 which is a huge powerful thing
1: you're also a part of the Open Container Initiative. We love standards at Intel. We think standards and open source are the backbone of the industry. So can you talk about the Open Container Initiative and your role in it, as well as the role of the initiative
0: for the greater ecosystem? So one of the things that is pretty common in the sphere of software and internet standards and that sort of thing is that a piece of software will come out and it will get extremely popular. and then. A number of things want to interact with that piece of software. And so you have to, at some point, just write down like, how does this thing work? How do I talk to it? And what the open container initiative is attempting to do is write down specifications for two important things in the container ecosystem. One is the runtime spec, which is when I want to go and run a container, how does that actually happen? What does it mean to run a container? If I'm an application running inside of a container, what can I expect to happen, these sorts of concerns. And then the other one is the image spec. And the image spec is a really critical piece because this is the spec that says, I am a software engineer or a developer or I'm a build system or an ISV. And this is how you package up the pieces of the files and the libraries and everything together together so that it can be downloaded, shipped around and ultimately unpacked and ran as a container. Mm-hmm. And so the open container initiative was an initiative started about 16 months ago with most of the super important folks in the industry working on containers, Docker, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, CoreOS, IBM, Intel, etc. coming together and trying to sort out these specifications, write tests around them, create governance and copyright rules, et cetera, around how this stuff works. Uh, but we're all just kind of pushing along and trying to get the first version of these specs out so that ISVs and build systems and open source engineers can start to rely on these things and know that no matter how they intend to package up the application, it'll work with various implementations that are OCI compliant.
1: That's awesome. Well. I- Keep working because we appreciate standards. Standards (laughs) matter for everybody. Let's talk a little bit about your product, Tectonic 1.3. I've heard a rumor. Okay. That's why I asked you about security and people say, well, containers would be great if they were secure. You kind of helped me dispel that rumor. So if I said containers would be great for enterprise if, what would you say?
0: Yeah. So (laughs) containers are great for enterprise today. And I think a lot of that has kind of emerged in the last year or so. So in this Tectonic 1.3 release, we focused a lot of the effort and features on things that we've heard from our enterprise customers they need. So we start to talk about now containers work, they're great. You can use them in cloud environments, but enterprises start to care a lot about bare metal installations because they have data residency issues. They have data centers that they care about. They have networks that they want to interact with. They have data stores they want to utilize, and all those are behind the firewall, not in the cloud. We are able to do things like back our products by LDAP authentication so that you have a central authority of who has access to the clusters and what are those people doing. We have audit logging and security scanning and a bunch of features inside of the product that essentially take containers from a collection of really solid open source projects towards a platform that enterprises can actually utilize and check the boxes that are required for their compliance and auditing and this sort of thing as they move these systems towards production. And we're starting to see that too. A lot of enterprises have containers in lab at the very least, but they're starting to move greenfield applications over to containers. You're starting to architect and move brownfield applications over. And so you're starting to see this shift and see the utilization of these technologies grow inside of these large organizations. Where do you think the future of containers is going? Containers essentially over time, I think, will be the default way of consuming compute infrastructure. We've seen it time and again as companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter build out their organizations, they build out their development teams. They want to go faster with faster times to market. They want to use their infrastructure more efficiently. They essentially over time develop the exact same patterns that we're developing inside of Kubernetes through our products at core OS and core OS Linux. And so over time, it's just sort of an inevitability for consuming compute that containers will be the thing now. The big question now is which approach? So we have a bunch of different open source projects and products out there, and that will be where things play out over the next few years is figuring out where the technology lands, where the open source projects land, and where the momentum lands. Things are looking really strong for Kubernetes, and that's where my bet is for the future, but we'll see where it goes.
1: Awesome. Great. Thanks. Um, This has been a really great interview, Brandon. I appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks. This has been Jake. Smith here at Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud with Brandon Phillips, co founder and CTO of CoreOS.